Hey there, and welcome to Isometric, a gaming podcast from a different perspective. I'm Steve Lubitz, and I am joined by a wonderful panel, as always, um, starting with Brianna Wu, head of development at Giant Space Cat, maker of the upcoming Revolution 60 for iOS, and recently named Den of Geeks 25 Most Awesome Women in Gaming. How are you doing, Bri? Hey, let's crack a lacking. Crack a lacking. We're, sti- we're sticking with crack a lacking, huh? <laughs> yeah, we are. That's. I, I thought about it, and that's going to be my that, official. That's going to be your your catchphrase. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. We're also joined by Maddie Myers, the assistant games editor at Pace Magazine. Welcome, Maddie. Hi. Glad to be here. And Georgia Dow, reviewer at iMore.com and host of the Zen in Tech podcast on the Mobile Nations Network. Hi, Georgia. Hey. I guess we'll just get right into it, and we can start off with with our friends at Nintendo who are having a bit of a rough day. <laughs> what did something happen at Nintendo this week? I didn't. I didn't hear about that. I think the problem is nothing is happening at Nintendo, and I think that's right. exactly the problem. <laughs> so Nintendo announced their earnings as of uh, when we're recording this, and it did not go very well at all. They posted. An operating loss of $457 million, which is a lot of money. Oh, my God. And they only moved about 600,000 3DS units, which isn't terrible, and 310,000 Wii Wii U units in the last quarter, which is January, February, March, which is uh, not great. They had already adjusted their expectations downward in January. I think they were planning on selling... Somewhere in the in the realm of like nine million units this year, and they're getting to lifetime lifetime sales of the Wii U of about six point one seven million units, which is what the PlayStation Four has already managed to sell just since November. So not Damn. going very well for Nintendo. So of course this is bringing out a lot of a lot of the conversation about should should Nintendo be going into iOS? What should Nintendo shut down the Wii U? So I guess I'll open it up and we can start there. What what does Nintendo have to do to right the ship at this point? Because it seems like whatever they're doing is just not working, and they don't seem to really know what they're doing because every time that they try to do anything, it just seems like they're they're like a cartoon character stepping on a rake and getting smacked in the face. Yeah, it's awful for them. I mean, Maddie, what do you what do you think? Do they have any hope at this point? It's just I'm it's... I'm curious. Who else here actually owns a Wii U? Because I am an owner of the Wii U. I just bought one last week. Okay. If I'd heard this news, I wouldn't have. But <laughs> um, you know, I, I just bought one last week. It was the first of the new console generation that I bought. As a freelance well, journalist, I always have to weigh my options about what the most practical thing to buy next is, and I think I made a mistake and you here. came up with the wii u wow <laughs> um, wow but it was the cheapest one so i was sort of in a bind right i i uh-huh. think it's a similar bind to one that consumers are in where when the new consoles came out they're all very expensive and you want to get the best deal i personally just really wanted to play the new mario and that was enough of a selling point and plus i was excited for bayonetta too Um, which now I have no idea when that's going to ever arrive. (laughs) They're they're saying, they're saying by the end of the year is what they said at the last Nintendo direct. But I, you know, that that's kind of nebulous. 
I know Bayonet is a controversial uh, game, but I am put me on the camp of in love with her. And I whether she was intended to be a satirical character or not, I don't even care. She is to me <laughs> and I love her. And so I was excited for Bayonetta 2. And that was enough. The, the existence of the new Mario, which I've really been enjoying. And it's unbelievably some good. hope yeah. in me for a possible Metroid game maybe someday. I, I, I have a soft spot for Nintendo. I do. So I, I guess that was part of my decision there. But I really don't know what they're doing. I, I feel like the Wii U as a console has a lot of problems. The tablet, yeah. I mean, what do we think of that tablet? It's awful. It's awful. I had this moment when I bought it that I had my Retina iPad Mini in my lap. And I'm sitting there playing the Wii U. I have the controller right in front of me. And like I'm just comparing them back and forth. Like The bad screen color, the bad brightness, the bad touch response, the bad sensitivity. It's just, it's awful. Totally. And the controller itself is, it's uncomfortable to hold. Mm-hmm. Um, my hand cramps up after playing it, which it also does on the 3DS. But I think it's just a, a poorly designed system. Um, for myself as a developer, a lot of the the middleware that they've they've used and the chip architecture they've chosen. It's just, it leaves me really scratching my head. That said, um, I bought it as like, it was literally the very last next-gen system that I bought. I mean, I bought the PS3 first. I bought the Xbox One first. You did the I bought opposite the Vita. Of what I, did. I did. I did. <laughs> and like you, I actually have very little uh, affinity for Nintendo. You know, I work with 3D graphics all day long. You know, like, this is my field. This is what I really care about. I get really excited about new tech. And I've come to feel that Nintendo just is not interested in providing the experiences that I personally enjoy as a gamer. Um, that said, like I said, I have all the systems, and I think that the Wii U has tremendous value out there. It is a complete blast to play. That Mario game is unbelievably great, mm-hmm. and um, it's just, it's, I, I couldn't help but read that news today and feel very sad about it. It's funny that you have all, I mean, and I have the same complaints as a gamer that you do about the, the, the gamepad. Mm-hmm. The funny thing is, my daughter loves the thing. And I don't understand it. It's like any any time that she can use an excuse, and it's like we have iPads, we have we have iPhones, we have iPads, like we have all kinds of things with screens on it that she's grown up with ever since she was born. And for whatever reason, like I went into the, the living room the other day, and she's literally watching Netflix on the living room floor, curled up with the gamepad, on watching it on the gamepad. And I'm like, you you know that there are literally twelve other ways that are you could be doing that that are better than what you're doing right now. And but she's like, we'll play Link to the Past, which is probably the second what we spent the second most time with, other than New Super Mario 3D World, which kind of tells you what you need to know. But I'm like, we'll play that, and I'll be playing with the Pro Controller on the television, and she'll she's not watching me on the television; she's holding the gamepad and watching it on the gamepad. So for whatever reason, it has a draw for the kids, but. It's like I don't like playing games on it because my thumb hurts after about 15 minutes. And that's why it it's so frustrating that they're taking the Game Boy Advance games, which we know can run on the 3DS, because the, they were released for the 3DS for the Ambassador program. And they're just releasing on the Wii U. And they're not doing that because it's the best thing for the games and it's the best thing for the consumer. They're doing that because they don't know how to get the Wii U to sell, so they're trying everything they possibly can. And what I don't think they realize is that the people who are not buying the Wii U are not going to be swayed by virtual console games at all. 
I don't know if I agree with that. I mean, I really like Virtual Console. That is 90% of what I used my Wii for. Yeah, I, I love Virtual Console content. So for me personally, that's a huge draw. You know, it almost seems like they, they, they made the gamepad just because tablets are the in thing, and so they added it to the system, not because it is the best way in order to interact with their games. I think mm-hmm. that in comparison to the price increase, which makes it really up there in comparison to PlayStation and Xbox, it doesn't really add that much. And its interaction is a little bit befuddled, the the manner in which interacting, I don't think it really adds to it in comparison. I think, Steve, it's great that it helps, you know, the younger generation because it's, it's easy and simple. But I don't think in comparison to the cost, which makes it you know, playing against the big boys, and unfortunately, they don't have the same number of really amazing titles to be able to sell such a platform at such a range. So, I don't know, I didn't, I actually have a Wii, and I was thinking about getting the Wii U, and it was not enough of an upgrade, and I love Nintendo. I love Nintendo, I still have, actually right next to me, all of the retro Nintendo. I have uh, Super Mario World sitting right next to me. But it wasn't enough t- for me to upgrade to it since I already had the Wii. Yeah, I guess the question is whether the Wii U is really even worth continuing. And if it is, mm-hmm. is it worth continuing with the gamepad? Or do you go the 2DS route where you say, okay, if you still want the, if you still want the gamepad, we'll sell it to you. Mm-hmm. But we're going to offer another version that's maybe, let's say, $200. I don't know if mm-hmm. they could get it down that low. But 200 to 250 but 200 would probably be the... I think $200 is probably the, the threshold where a console goes from being a major investment to kind of, okay, I'll take a shot on this. Hmm. I could count on one hand the number of games that really need the gamepad and you could probably treat that like microsoft did with with connect games where you call those out separately and just say these are these are gamepad only games i mean there's zombie u there's nintendo land i i'm even struggling maybe we party i'm struggling to even come up with those well what about super smash is it going to need the gamepad though have they announced any any gamepad specific functionality for super smash um they've announced like a 3ds functionality for it well, it's, it's going to be a separate have, game, though, right? Oh, uh, I mean... I think the 3DS think game is going to be a separate game altogether. All yeah, that's probably true. I, I'm curious about whether, like, your wins from that are going to be translated into the Wii U version of the game, just because I want to know. <laughs> but, um, like, if I'm, if I'm drilling combos on my 3DS, then will that affect my some other scores elsewhere? I don't know. The, the state of the eShop is is frustrating enough where, like, we went to buy Super Mario Bros. 3, and it's Super Mario Bros. 3 finally came out. We were waiting for, I don't know, like three months after Europe got it for some reason. God only knows why. And then it comes to, well, do I buy this on one of my 3DSs or which one because I can't transfer mm-hmm. it from one to the other, <laughs> or do I buy it for the yep, Wii U? Right. And it's like, yeah. why, why are you making the, why are you putting a hurdle in front of the cash register? Like I understand that they're different, right. that they're right. different ar- architectures, but just figure it out. St- uh, Sony's figured it out. Obviously, I can mm-hmm. buy a game on the PS3. I can get it for the Vita that I don't own yet, but that I'll eventually probably cave and end up buying. <laughs> yeah, well, Steve, I think that's a great point, though. Like when they're hemorrhaging these kind of numbers, like you should make it as easy as possible for for me to give you my money. 
I am wanting to buy something, make it as simple and as effortless because really the longer that, you know, people wait before they pay for something or buy something, the less chance you're going to buy it. You want to catch someone within those, like, you know, that hour of like watching the video or seeing the advertisement. You want to catch them immediately. It's what iTunes and everything else does so well is that it's relatively effortless. So you can have those impulse buys, which really can bring up your numbers. I don't know if it can bring up 250 million. I don't, that's, it's just numbers that I'm billion. I, I can't even, I can't even think that high, really. Um, yeah, and in $450 million, I can't even think that high. I think like if you look at the Wii, I mean, how many times did you guys enter your credit card to buy stuff on the Wii? Like when you had that, I mean, I did it at least 50 times, you know, and Nintendo's point of sale stuff has just always kind of sucked, you know? Right, um, right. I I do want to say this. I think that when we talk about this issue, we're very quick to forget something that's really key about Nintendo. Something that's been been true about Nintendo since I was a child is their portable systems have always been the true power of that platform. Um, Mm -hmm. It's actually the inverse of Sony, where you know the Vita and the PSP is kind of the you know the shunned stepchild. But um, (laughs) you know, like. You know, for Nintendo, it was the Game Boy. Like, that was where most of their revenue came from. It was true with the Game Boy Advance. It was true with the DS. And it's true now Mm -hmm. with the 3DS. And I sometimes think that when we talk about this, that we don't realize that, like, most of the power of Nintendo, their focus has, for a long time, it's been on this portable market. And I kind of think that, like, getting through the, um, you know, the GameCube era, I think they kind of just want to keep that that foothold in the living room. And I think it's more of a face-saving thing, you know, so they're, they're, they do have a product there to sell you along with, you know, the, the PlayStation and the Xbox. Like, they can compete in that field. But, you know, it's not where their revenue really, really comes from. And I think that's important to remember. So, Bree, are you saying that you think that they should kind of not give up but leave yeah. the Wii and really focus on you know doing just and increasing their their portable gamers and trying to go after like I guess then you know every the games that are on people's phones versus what are what is the true cost of developing a next gen system it's getting the frameworks out there it's like getting the engineering behind actually putting the system out there it's working with chip manufacturers and getting the the cost of the per unit down to a reasonable level and you know, then you have like ongoing costs keeping them in stores giving them to amazon like keeping them in warehouses but they've made most of this investment so far in the wii u and at this point you know if they're selling x number of them a year i kind of think it just behooves them to save face and you know, keep the strategy going um the games the first party games that they're putting out feel like they're quality. And I can't help but think that it's going to, after a while, there's going to be enough of a library that people will find the system compelling, especially when there's a price drop. Um, remember what happened with the PS3? It was kind of in this exact same scenario for a long time. I, this is what I don't understand, right? Like, obviously, they're not getting they're not getting AAA third-party devs. Right. It's, just, it's not happening. There's not enough of an install base. I mean, they they came out with the numbers. I was, let me pull this up because I had, I, there was a Nintendo Life posted, and I'll link this in the show notes, a list of all of the life-to-date uh, sales for all the top uh, Wii U and 3DS games, and also some of the older systems, just comparison. And Super Mario 3D World, up to now, which is, which is easily, I don't think there's any question, it's the best game 
on the system, mm-hmm. and it's the yeah. you know, the only two that are above it are New Super Mario Brothers U and Nintendo Land, which are probably juiced by the fact that they were both packing games at one point or another. So, Super Mario 3D World has sold lifetime 2.17 million units. Tomb Raider mm-hmm. was a disappointment after a month at three million units. So yeah. if that's if that's what's happening, there's no way they're going to be able to get AAA devs because they're they're not there's no return on their investment there. If that if three million units for Tomb Raider is where the line is, and it's probably above that, that's just what they consider a disappointment. We don't know what their number really would have been for it to be considered a success if it would have been considered a success at all. Because Square Enix is a whole other problem, but. Um, I have to say, though, like looking at Super Mario World, which I think is a masterpiece. And, you know, I should say that, like, I know people on the Tomb Raider team. I don't really have a sense of the size of the Nintendo team. But from what I see, a lot of the things that look really expensive when I look at Tomb Raider um, just don't exist in Super Mario World. And I think that that my guess would be, as a professional in the industry, is that the cost of producing that game was probably about half so they can sell fewer units and still make a profit but even if it's half right then they have to sell 1.5 million units which is if new super mario 3d world can't sell to more than 2 million units a third party there no there are no third party games on this list i mean the last one that they list is wind waker at 1.2 million units so they would have to sell at least 1.5 million units which i is not happening so What they really need to be doing is going out to indie devs and making a really big push and just saying, please come to our platform. And it sounds, I mean, it seems like they're trying to sort of, there was an announcement that Mm -hmm. Stealth Think 2 is going to be exclusive for Wii U. And that seems like a pretty big bet. And when I was walking around PAX last month, I, you know, I was, I always go around to the indie games because I don't want to stand in line and wait for, to play Borderlands a pre-sequel or whatever just because I know I'm going to play it and I don't need to stand in line for three hours at PAX to do that but so I went to a bunch of indie devs and just played their games and, then, and more than a few of them were saying oh we're coming out for Mac and for PC and for Wii U which surprised me so yeah. if Nintendo can do that but then doing things like snuff, like stiffing the uh, Gama Sutra editor when he was trying to just get a, a puff interview about what the state of indie, de- indie development is, and then ended up with him writing this like rant on Kama Sutra instead of what <laughs> Nintendo is doing wrong. I mean, that's like the easy stuff. Like it's a it's a simple interview. Just let the guy talk for half right. an hour and reach out to indie devs. But it seems like they just have like this mental block where they can't they can't get there. Maddie, have you ever like professionally dealt with Nintendo? I've I've never had yeah I've not. never had a run in with mean, them as an English speaker. I think it's like that's going to limit me no matter what, right? And that's going right. to limit even a Gama Sutra more experienced journalist than I. But they have Nintendo of America, don't they? I mean, don't they have they people do. here who can who you can talk they to? They do. I, I mean, I see Nintendo as kind of untouchable. Like, I get the press yeah. releases, but um, I, I don't know anybody there in the way that I know people at other companies. Yeah. Um, and Nintendo wasn't at PAX this year, if I recall correctly. PAX East, anyway. Um, so, and I, I mean, I've been to the booths at PAX when Nintendo has been there and usually it's, um, they don't necessarily have demos. They just kind of have swag bags and like marketing folks there. Uh, I I mean, there may have been a year when there was a game I'm thinking back, but, um, they just don't, they, I wouldn't say they project accessibility in the same way that other 
big developers do at PAX and at cons and places where developers want to kind of interface with the fans. I, I really have never gotten the impression from Nintendo that that's an image they're looking to project. I, I can tell you from my company, Giant Space Cat, I, I feel comfortable saying this. People from both Microsoft and Sony have reached out to us and come and talk to us. Mm-hmm. I don't know anyone at Nintendo of America personally, and they may have a fantastic team over there. I just, and I haven't had a professional run in with them, but it, it does seem from my personal experience, like you said, they're a little more unt- untouchable and they're not really is out there, which makes sense because Nintendo doesn't have the best reputation with you know, third-party developers. And they didn't really ever have to. Yeah. I think that when you're, you're hemorrhaging such a large number so quickly, I think that maybe that would be a great sign of they need to change their game plan, reach out to people, and you're, you're not going to get the big names, but you can definitely get some great indie developers that are going to make something sure. you know, awe-inspiring. And if you give them a good set of why you should develop for me. What are you going to get? How are we going to promote you? It could work out, but a company that's been, you know, just such a Titan for such a long time. I think that change is really hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'd be very interested. How is, how is platinum doing financially? You know, they're one of my very favorite dev houses. I mean, they produce the most octane driven, like over the top, insane, games possible like you know metal gear revengeance like when when they couldn't get it to work who did they hand that to they handed it to platinum and you know like with bayonetta you know they platinum had some games that came out i think it was last year like anarchy reigns which was a complete 100 percent failure like how are they doing financially like maybe they're in a point where like bayonetta is an expensive game to develop maybe they're at a point where they need to take it multi-platinum I, I think it's an interesting question. Well, I think Nintendo threw a lot of money at them to keep it to keep it exclusive. Bayonetta must have cost at least I, I'm going to guess it's it's got to be close to sixty seventy million dollars. It was a very expensive game, and even if they're recycling a lot of the assets, you know, between it, it's it's I I just don't see Nintendo being able to front that much of a development cost for it. You know, like. Well, according to Wikipedia, they're actually serving as the publisher. So I guess that that answers that question. I guess if that, if they're the publisher, they're probably not gonna they're probably not gonna take it multi platform. But yeah, I mean, it could be that they just don't have enough money to get it finished, or maybe Nintendo has yeah. to just keep throwing money at it because that's one that's the only hardcore game that's on the horizon that they're not publishing themselves or they're not they're not developing themselves well hold up a second you refer to it as a hardcore game which is what's so interesting about this right i mean we're saying triple a but what what's really interesting about bayonetta is that tonally atmospherically it doesn't seem like the kind of game that nintendo would publish right yeah i mean that's that's always been the story there i mean there's there's uh there's sort of an aspect to bayonetta that makes it hardcore and i mean that's a euphemism right like we know (laughs) what that means yeah and um Nintendo games are usually family friendly mm-hmm. and hardcore games are not. <laughs> so I I mean I what do we what do we think about that? Like do we So so Maddie are you saying that is is are you asking the question is Nintendo trying to change its yeah, image do you think that which might have hurt it, right? Or perhaps might help it. I don't know what I think True. of that. I'm asking cuz I don't actually know what I think. <laughs> I mean I don't I don't know that they're always been, they've always been family friendly. I mean I don't think that I would call them Metroid Prime games 
family-friendly necessarily either. But they aren't like blood and gore, they aren't. sex, drugs, rock yeah. and roll okay. exactly either. Yeah. They're, they're like they're like preteen kind right. of... Angsty, But I wouldn't consider them like... But not necessarily sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yeah. Right. As Bayonetta fights, her hair turns from her costume. And like, she gets more naked as she fights. And like, there will be shots. It's like her hair turns into a demon and she's just completely naked. Right. Like, but Bayonetta 2, she gets a haircut. And I know, she right? is dressed a little bit differently. And a I, I sort she's a little scantily clad. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder whether the camp quality of Bayonetta is being changed because of the Nintendo Wii U exclusivity or whether oh. that's something they were already planning. I mean, we'll never know the answer to that, probably. But I've definitely seen some speculation from people that Bayonetta has been toned down because it's a Wii U exclusive. I don't know. I think it would lose something if they chose to do that. So I hope not. Well, I guess family-friendly kind of leads us into the other Nintendo disaster <laughs> that's happened. That's uh, Oh, boy. Yeah, so speaking of Nintendo, of Nintendo and being family-friendly, so there was a, there was a controversy that, that popped up today, and around an upcoming game called Tomodachi Life, which I, I admit I still really have no idea what's going on with it. There was a Nintendo Direct like maybe two weeks ago where they announced it, and the only thing I took back from it is that Christina Aguilera is in it for some reason, and it looks like Animal Crossing <laughs> if you're taking drugs is really all I, all I was really able to grasp from it. The, the gist of it is that your me can exist in the game, and your me re- represents you, and then you can end up in a romantic relationship with another character. And apparently that romantic partner has to be of the opposite sex. And so this came up. There was uh, an uproar that obvi- that this is homophobic and this is anti-gay marriage, and Nintendo did not handle it well. And yeah. so they made a statement that, long story short, they, don't, they didn't want to make any social commentary, so they're just leaving it out. And then they had this boilerplate paragraph that just looks like it came directly out of Text Expander for We Caught We Screwed Up. <laughs> and they they just don't seem to it seems like they're trying to be conservative by not trying to make anybody angry, which is actually making everybody angry. But the fact that they they're they're blaming the Japanese code that locks it out and which just does not seem like that seems like that should be like 10 lines of code to comment out a couple of if statements that are you know locking out relationships from from different from same sex as opposed to opposite sex uh-huh. it just like this is like the same kind of thing where they said that NES Remix wasn't going to work on the on the 3DS cuz it wasn't going to be able to handle it and that just doesn't it doesn't pass the smell test so they they basically yeah. i think Ben Kuchera had a really great he had a really great quote and I don't remember exactly what it was, but he posted on in his article about it that the more words that you need to use to explain why something is wrong is like proportional to the amount that you're trying to cover up the fact that you're that you're not doing the right thing. I, I don't know what's gonna come of this, but it just seems like Nintendo needs to understand who their customers are. I mean, it, even if you're gonna take the the social controversy out of it, like you can't be turning away customers at this point. But in 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 and of that, don't you think that in like again, just being put in this place, it's a lose lose for Nintendo. Oh yeah, I whichever agree. way they kind of slice it, there was no way. 
you know, if if they had thought about it a little bit more and been perhaps a little bit more tactical, they they might have been able to come out unscathed. But really, whether they had decided to add you know gay marriage into it and you could just marry anyone that was human and they didn't say anything about it, you know, maybe they could have kind of yeah. gotten yeah. away with being able to be more open. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, there's going to be people in an uproar and there's people that are going to petition against Nintendo. So just for their bottom line, it's kind of a lose-lose. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The question is, in May of 2014, if they're going to lose more by you know, choosing to ignore it or you know, choosing to say, we're down with this. And it's my opinion, there's more to lose here at this point. Where does Nintendo sell most of their their consoles? Uh, outside of Japan, as I understand it. Steve, am I right about that? It's actually coming out to be pretty even. It's like, it used to be okay. that it was like 75% of it was split between the U.S. and Europe and like the and the the other 25%. I'm, I'm right. throwing out numbers and not exactly, but it's coming sure. out to be like a third, a third, a third now. I just read a report cool. and I'll have to find the link for it that apparently a lot of the, the sales that, they're, that they are completing of the Wii U and the 3DS are actually in Japan more than they used to be, which is kind of surprising, right. which is also kind of a problem for them because there are so many fewer people in Japan than there are in the rest of the world. Right. Um, but it, it is becoming more, even though they're, they're trying to focus more towards games that are going to appeal to people in the West, they're actually selling more in Japan now. I feel like this has been a problem in a lot of MMO games. Anytime you can have two characters marry each other, this is this comes up, right? I mean, right, a- anytime right. you include that in your game, this now is something that you need to think about. Maddie, what happens in The Sims? I I don't know. Does anyone know? I'm not a Sims player. Does anyone play Sim I've life? never played Woo-hoo. it. I, yeah. Oh my gosh, we need a fifth yeah. co-host who plays The Sims. <laughs> this is like the best sold game in America, and none of us are Sims fans. No, it's I've I played The Sims. It's very censored. It's 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 cute. Like it was it was a game design decision to get around it. Like they they at the, in the game design document they. They the really Sims? designed it right for the Sims. So, because, so Breach, yeah. in the Sims, can you can you marry whomever you want, whether they're a girl or a boy, or does right. it kind of force you to marry the opposite no, sex? No, no, no. It's it's open like that, and okay. it's very. So, but you don't have sex. You mm-hmm. woohoo, and it's this very G-rated, cutesy little scene, and. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds pretty similar to this game, though. I'm pretty sure yeah. Nintendo didn't release a game that is R-rated or X. Yeah, I mean this this isn't massive. Oh, that would be the best <laughs> Nintendo game ever. <laughs> I would I would so be down for Nintendo losing their mind and doing that. That's how they fixed the Wii U, right there. I don't want to see Mies doing it. I'm pretty sure that I that don't was either. Harvey for life. <laughs> the Mies look kind of weird, but adorable. Nonetheless, it's, adorable. Especially because I use my me as my as my avatar on Twitter, I think that would, I would have to change my avatar like the next day after I saw that. <laughs> Note to self: Photoshop stuff with that. Oh, but, oh no! I'm, yes. giving, I'm giving Brie ammunition. Good Brie. lord. So anyway, my point is, this is a problem. everyone's going to send Every Steve time. some some Photoshop right. hymns now. I'm going to get so much so much me slash fic now. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> <laughs> We should all send our put our me's up as our Twitter avatars in solidarity. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, 
I'm I'm going to put Steve's avatar up as mine (laughs) in solidarity. We should, and then we should send out a contest who can, whoever can Photoshop Steve's (laughs) the best and send it to us should win like a prize, a t-shirt or something like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's our first I will come party at your house if you do that in a way that embarrasses Steve to a sufficient um, level. Just think of my daughters, please. I will party with you personally. Just, I just let me be a, let me be a role model for my daughters for at least a couple more years before they're embarrassed of me. Thank you. Steve, don't you want to save Nintendo? This is going to save Nintendo. You should oh, really this is save, save Nintendo. <laughs> I mean, I have to say, I think they made a real mistake here. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think yeah. that they could have. I, I hear what you're saying, Georgia, about this was a lose lose situation. But as a as a in per- the bottom line, not a lose lose oh, as for oh, social commentary. No, just so listen, I can I, before I, I get Twitter flamed. <laughs> no, no, I, I understand the Machiavellian, like practical. We're going to piss off Group A, or we're going to piss off Group B. But I think there was a. a t- there's a way they could have like simmed it. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, yeah, you're like not the marrying this person. You right. are their special friend, or you know what I mean. Like, there's a way you could have gotten around that. I exactly. Think. So I don't know. I just think it. I think it makes Nintendo seem unresponsive to fans, which is mm-hmm. one of the reasons I think they're kind of in this hole. And I think that it was handled very, you know, not artfully. I think it also just makes them seem out of touch. Yeah. In and like not with the times the people who play games are younger and younger Uh all the time new babies are being born and getting little (laughs) 3ds's and so forth and i mean you can just look at the Mm -hmm. statistics on what people think about gay marriage in this country younger people don't think it's a big deal anymore right and that's who they are trying to market their games to right i mean they've got this like kid-friendly game and if kids don't care and they're gonna think it's weird if they can't have their two dads be in the game or whatever it is (laughs) um right then that's going to be a problem and it's going to keep being a problem for game developers in the future if they don't kind of get with the times on that i think well, yeah, I think that you're right, Maddie. I think that by them saying that we're not trying to make any form of social commentary with launching this game and then saying, but, you know, we are not going to have this as part of the game, it kind of does mm-hmm. make a social commentary yeah. in and of itself. Yeah. And, you know, just to leave it open and then people can just choose <laughs> would have been, you know, also leaving it open to for you to cho- choose and make your own social commentary. Sure. I mean, that was the value of Mass Effect. I mean, ultimately, you're going to make somebody yeah. angry. You're, you're, it's going to happen, and there's always going to be a group of people who are angry. There were there were people who were angry mm-hmm. at Portal 2 because they felt like it was making fun of people of adopted kids because of some of the comments <laughs> that GLaDOS was making. Hey, I'm adopted. I kind of felt that way did for like mean? half a second. So, yeah, yeah. So, but would, did it offend you enough to not want to keep playing the game, though? No, I, Stevie, no. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, hey, that's a little out of bounds. Yeah, yeah. whatever. So, right. Yeah. So, but I mean, there's always going to be those kinds of un- unintended consequences. I think the goal should just be to upset the smallest number of people possible. And you're going to upset <laughs> a lot fewer people by including something like that than you are going to be by excluding something like that. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll call you on that one, Steve. Yeah. Um, is it, should, and you, you know, feel as whichever way, but yeah. do you think that their, their idea should be to, to, to deal with the bottom line and try to offend the least amount of people? Or do you think that they should, when releasing a game, try to, to do what they think is right uh-huh. and try to, like, say that, you know, it was the opposite? Would you then be okay with them making that choice just because it, you know, 
pleases the larger population. Right, like if it's 50 um, years ago yeah. or whatever. You know, yeah. you believe the world is round. Everyone else believes the world is flat. Should you be like, you know what? Okay, fine. The world is flat. Right. No. <laughs> so, yeah. No. That, that's a that's a fair. You're right. That's a fair statement, and I think that it would almost it. It not. I don't want to use the word defensible. I'm going to get myself into so much trouble now. Thank you. <laughs> no, it's, I, I don't. I don't think that it, it would be more understandable if they were at least keeping with the times at the time, and they knew that that usually what's doing what's right in a situation like this is also going to be good for the bottom line ultimately. And sometimes, you know, sometimes you you really are taking a stand and you're putting yourself out there. But I and I think that if it was that kind of a situation, maybe they wouldn't be able to they wouldn't be able to get away with it and they might have to take a stand that they weren't comfortable with. But ultimately in a situation like this, what's right is also going to be what's right morally is also going to be right financially. Mm -hmm. And then it just, it doesn't make sense in any respect to not go that way. Right. And, and you should be able to see how the tides are changing beforehand as you go. Right. You know, like I look back at shows in the 80s and I'm like, wow, that those were not cool. <laughs> what the way that they treated people was just a whole oh, bunch of awful. not cool yeah. to everything. And I'm like, you know, watching the shows when I was little, I didn't see it. Yeah. It was yeah. just Oh, Married with Children was, okay. was, yeah, like Married with Children, like the whole series is just awful. <laughs> well, the one difference with games is that you can iterate on them. You can patch them. I mean, if Nintendo had put out this game 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when gay marriage wasn't legal in even as many states as it is now in the U.S. or what have you, and nobody was talking about this, there weren't as many queer game journalists, etc., and then that game still existed 20 years later, they could add in gay marriage when they wanted to, you know? Like, it's not like a TV show where we look back on it and it's like this static product of its time. I feel like something like a game can actually be changed and updated, and that's really cool. Okay, I have an interesting idea. Um, what if they had put out an option so you could turn it on or off depending, like it could be a full open game, you can marry whomever you wish, or, you know, if you were, or you can for some reason, and you could switch it off. Bible Belt if switch. You, and-, <laughs> <laughs> and you could turn it off as you wish. Do you think that they could have done that and been able to, you know... I make it your choice. I think as an interface design choice, that's not a very <laughs> yeah. Nintendo-y thing I, to okay, do. Sorry. I'm like trying no, to picture. I'm, I'm trying to picture yeah. how they market and brand that switch. Just as right, a journalist, right, I'm like, right. what language do you use to describe what that switch does? A new box underneath parental controls. Yeah, <laughs> right. Gay people. No, but Georgia, I want to answer your question. Like, uh, like, can I respond to something you were saying? Like, Please. is it is it best for you to is it best for you to piss off the least amount of people, or is it better to you know to make the game that you feel is best? And something I think that's really important for for games is to do the most true version of themselves. I think if you're designing a game, I think you need to really find what your voice is, and I think you need to be really true to it. And something I really respect about Nintendo, um, even though I'm not the biggest fan for it, I happen to know a lot of women that work for Nintendo or have worked for Nintendo. And I'm not going to say like they're the most super diverse place out there, but when I think about a game trying to be the most true version of itself. I can really imagine this team getting together and kind of cartoony versions of Wii characters that can you know, marry anyone that they happen to be in love with or at least form relationships with them. That seems like a very true 
version of the game that they're putting out there. Does that make sense to you? So I don't really think it's, I, I think it's very compatible with that. But doesn't that go back to the whole idea that if, like, if a main character really for the story needs to be male or needs to be female, then you make the male or female and that's it. But if right. it doesn't matter, then give the, give the, the player a chance, a choice of whether mm-hmm. they want to play as male or female. Isn't this the kind of the same thing? Like, it's not like it's a plot point that you're going to marry somebody of the opposite sex. If you're going to be having a relationship with another character in the game, who cares if it's a male or a female? But again, then the people are going to say, well, what if they wanted to marry a panda? Um, <laughs> no, that would my, be a very Nintendo I'll, I'll thing be, to do. Too. I'll be straight. I think if you if they want to marry a panda, you know, it's a Nintendo game. This is not, right, Georgia, you know, and you're going to get the furries angry at us. No. And no, no furries. We don't think that you're the same as homosexuality. We don't furries. We're on the side of furries. <laughs> Please, I, I, I'm, I'm like it's not quite gonna, the same. That makes is all you happy. I'm it's not. It's it's a false equivalency. Right. I just don't. I don't want to get in trouble for this. <laughs> I agree with that. <laughs> well, it's a character in a game. Look, what I'm saying is that yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's just an avatar. I'm not actually um, saying that the panda in the game is a a real life panda. It's a it's a game. This is. Right. Fantasy, <laughs> for sure. But people want to represent their actual life in the game, and it's and it's no, like, and that's the fun part is that you know I can be a god or a superhero or um, you know uh, a guy or you know I could be a guy in the game and no one's going to be offended by me because I wasn't actually made uh, born as a guy. I could do as I wished with it, and I think that that's the fun with the game and i think that you know it could have been left as whimsical and fun mm-hmm. um not to actually extrapolate that just because if you you know if i play a, a video game and i choose to play the panda character or if i play choose to play yoshi you know i love yoshi um <laughs> it doesn't mean that that's my inclination yeah right i think you have to take it on a game by game basis right i mean when you put yeah. relationships in a game you kind of have to be like is this going to be a game where relationship just means partnership and we might be dealing with a, mus- a musk ox and a unicorn and they're in a relationship and everybody's a party member or what have you. Is it is it a fantastical right. game or is this a game that's more like The Sims where we actually want people to represent their real life relationships or simulate real life in, in a, a, a particular kind of way? Right. Well, all, most MMOs, you can, you can, like, you know, if you're playing the lizard man or you're playing anything mm-hmm. else, you can, it, it's not even made into an issue. You can choose to be in a relationship with whatever you want and no one's saying oh well you're you know in love with mr lizard name if you're playing you know wow or the dark elf and that's that's so bad because they're you know by nature it's a troll and they're evil so that would be a bad thing either i don't think that it had to be an issue in that that it could have just been left as have fun and and play the game and Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be as realistic as as necessary yeah i mean that's a cool thing about mmos right 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 (laughs) I just want all of you to check out my hashtag uh, Panda Equality after this uh, after this podcast. Go to that hashtag. Put it all over Twitter. I really hope somebody submits Steve's me in an adorable panda outfit. I I do too. Oh, that sounds great. Oh my god, I'm panda here. I could probably put my daughter on that, and she'd probably have it done in about fifteen minutes. (laughs) (laughs) But would she be using the the gamepad on the Wii U? Probably, probably. (laughs) When she's, you know, if she can take a break from Netflix. Right. 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 So, do we want to talk about Amplitude? I I had some thoughts about it from like a developer point of view. Um, I remember that game the first time around. (laughs) 
yeah, it was a good game. It was a good game. Uh, the, I pretty much hit the hit the ceiling when I saw this on Monday when the, when it was announced. So Harmonix announced on Monday. Harmonix, it, I'll, I'll do my explanation for you know if you've been living under a rock for the past ten years or so. Harmonix, makers of Rock Band, makers of of Dance Central. Uh, before they made either of those games, or Guitar Hero, obviously, before they made Guitar Hero, they had a game that was kind of obscure on the PlayStation 2 called Amplitude. And what it was, if you've played Rock Band Blitz, it's a little bit... Rock Band Blitz is kind of the, the spiritual successor to Amplitude. What it, If you kind of envision like a highway, each each lane in the highway was set up as a different instrument in the song, and you play through the song matching the beats with uh, the shoulder buttons on the PlayStation 2 controller. And if you hit enough beats in a row, you would turn on that track and it would start playing, and the goal would be to kind of keep the whole song playing throughout uh, as much as you can while hitting as, as many of the notes to turn on the tracks. And it was... Matt, you played it when it was, when mm-hmm. it was around the first time? Yeah, I, I was I obsessed with that game. <laughs> it was uh, fun. <laughs> Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, it was good. I was yeah. I cleared almost almost all the levels on expert, except for like the very last one, and I, and not for lack of trying. I played and, Frequency also, which was oh yeah, yeah that was awesome. Oh, uh, Frequency was good too. Frequency was yeah, the yeah. the was the first game in that series, and that had everything in a, more of like an octagonal, like a tube that you were going down instead of a instead of a highway. Hmm. I mean, this was all pre-rock band, so the idea yeah. of having a music game was still kind of new. I'm a musician, right. and I yeah. just really enjoyed that part of it. And it's been really right. cool to see Harmonix developing different kinds of music games, but those were yeah. the, the early, early ones. And the, the the thing was that it was also songs that you actually might recognize. Like, I mean, Dance mm-hmm. Dance Revolution was around at the time, but a lot of that, if you weren't really into J-pop... And I am. I mean, yeah. I still loved DDR, so I'm yeah, like, I what are you talking about? <laughs> I have every single one of those games. I have a... Oh, my God. Like, I had, like, a hardcore metal dance pad at my apartment. Like, that's how into DDR I was. Yeah, I tried to lose weight with that for a little while, but that didn't, that didn't quite work out for me, but... So, yeah, we're here in Boston. We're based here in Boston, right? Um, well, everyone but Georgia. So. <laughs> you know, like, we all know, well, I'm assuming, Maddie, you know Harmonix people, uh-huh, right? Like, they're cool. They're great. You know, um, this is what I fundamentally don't understand about this Kickstarter. Well, so, why, don't we, why don't we talk about that first? Because yeah. we haven't even said what we just talked. We're just reminiscing. We haven't actually talked. <laughs> right. We're reminiscing. <laughs> like they, so, so, so they have a Kickstarter. So what they did, what they announced on Monday is that they're doing a Kickstarter yeah. to effectively a sequel to Amplitude called Amplitude that right. they're going to be releasing for the PlayStation 3 and the PlayStation 4 and they're looking to release $775,000 off of Kickstarter to uh, to build this game and mm-hmm. I, I will say I backed it within the first hour and I don't normally do that because I my general rule is that I don't back Kickstarters that aren't led by people who haven't eaten Oreos in my house which means Brie. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. But other than, but I saw this. I think I brought those Oreos to your house. I think you way. did bring those so, Oreos to my, yeah. So I, that, I think that's I a did. fair trade that you bring Oreos to my house yeah. and back your Kickstarter. <laughs> so I, but I backed this immediately because even though I know that, you know, Harmonix is a major developer, like I want this game so badly that I don't care. And I'm, and I know that they are likely to actually be able to deliver on this as opposed to some of the other video game kickstarters that we've seen but i'll 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 see the floor debris and let her because she's been trying to get something out for like 10 minutes well i i have i have a lot of thoughts about this and you know before i state this i want to say like i have former harmonics people on my staff and i want to be 
really clear and say like I've not talked to any I've not talked to that person about this subject even at all. So, you know, this is just my opinion. It has nothing to do with anyone on my staff. But Harmonix is here in Boston. So what I fundamentally don't understand is Harmonix had a huge number of layoffs. What was it, about six months ago? Mm -hmm. And, you know, you look at what's coming out from Harmonix for this next generation. Um, You know, you have uh, Chromix, their first-person shooter. Um, I've played that. I can't talk about it because I'm under NDA, but I've, I've played that game. What else are they coming out with? Fantasia? So I can't talk about Fantasia, but I can say there are people in the press have talked about it, and I think it's fair to say there are some people that are kind of curious about how that game is going to end up. Maddie, you're a journalist. Are you curious, curious about how do you about feel about how that? that? Yeah. It's going to end up. Right. Um, right. I, I think the main question with that game is who's the audience for that? Right. And I, I'm not sure I have a good answer to that. I, I right. feel bad even speculating because I just don't know enough. Right. Yet a lot of people don't. I don't. Um, right. But just the premise alone. But people were skeptical about Rock Band. So. And Dance Central. But I mean, I can say as like a har- as a, a fan of everything that Harmonix has done up to now, and as a big Disney fan, uh-huh. that I saw them announce that and I I had zero interest. Like I saw that, I'm like, right. I, yeah. I don't get what they're trying to do. I I mean, I'm not a big fan of the Xbox One to begin with. I right. and I'm not planning on buying it, and that's certainly not going to push me over the edge for it. Yeah, I mean, as a Disney fan, as a musician, as a rock right. band fan, I'm not interested. <laughs> so I'm that's why I'm concerned. Yeah. So this exactly. is why I don't here. understand. They have Chromix coming out. They have Fantasia coming out. They have layoffs six months ago at the company. And now they're coming out with this reboot, and they're trying to kickstart it mm-hmm. for you know, three quarters of a million dollars, which yeah. it it gives me a lot of pause about the company. It, it makes me go, like, what's up with Harmonix that they can't get a you know, a million dollars of funding, which is honestly not that much. It gives me a lot of pause. It makes me nervous about the company. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I think there's the issue with this Kickstarter. What really worries me about the industry is, you know, I'm sure we'll have other shows about this, this hemorrhaging of jobs from AAA. A lot of my friends have been unemployed in Boston here in the last few years. It's been brutal here for the game dev industry. So... What worries me is this new financial model that we seem to be moving towards. It used to be that, like, I would go to the store and I would spend $60 and I would buy a game. And now they're asking me to, like, spend hundreds of dollars to assure the game is funded. And then hopefully it will come out and then I might get a free copy. And it seems that we're moving more and more towards this business model where games are capitalized and funded, where the consumer takes on all of the risk but doesn't get any of the equity or any of the profits. And this seems like a really bad model for the industry to be moving towards, um, especially someone huge like Harmonix doing it. So that's my main thought. It really worries me, this and, coming from Harmonix. And and then Facebook comes in and, and buys it out, and you end up with Farmville. <laughs> right. I'm just saying. Right. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess I guess I'm kind of in the the other side of it, at least with Kickstarter, is that the reason that I don't participate in very many video game con- Kickstarters, and I don't have a problem with Kickstarter in general. Like, I do Kickstarter for tabletop games. I do Kickstarter for some of these documentaries that come out. But I, for whatever reason, like, I see something, I see an announcement, 
and it's like, oh, this game is going to be fantastic. Like the one that just came out uh, like a week ago, which was – what was it? Jet Set Radio meets Mirror's Edge. I forget what the name of it was. And it's like, oh, I could get on board with that. When's that coming out? Oh, well, there's a Kickstarter. Okay, so it may come out in a year and it may come out never. And it's mm-hmm. – and so – and I don't know anything about the companies that are trying to make this. And you know, if I give them my money, it may go straight down the toilet. I don't know. And at least with something like Harmonix, I know that regardless of whether they should be doing it, at least I know that there's a pretty good likelihood if I give them my money I, that – and it gets funded – that there's going to be a game at the end of it that I'm going to be able to play in a reasonable amount of time, and I'm going to get that game having given them my money. No, I, I think that's fair. I'm, I'm just saying the general industry trend of moving towards yeah. Kickstarter really scares me, and I can't help but read this news and go, what's going on at Harmonix? I don't have any behind-the-scenes information, right. but it's my opinion that not being able to fund a very beloved game that people have been clamoring for for years for a mere you know three quarters of a million dollars like rev 60 was only half a million dollars and it just it scares me for them yeah i mean what's what's the benefit of doing this on kickstarter instead of using a different publishing platform using an actual public i mean as you say it's a beloved game we all remember it i really enjoyed that game i would have been completely unsurprised to see it released just as a title from them via traditional publishing methods. I'm really baffled because I, I feel like, I mean, Double Fine is the obvious example when it comes to sort of mid-level, I don't want to say AAA per se, there's sort of like the bourgeoisie class of, of game devs, right? Where you're kind of in the uh-huh. middle. And I think Harmonix is sort of there. There's there's AAA with Rock Band, but since they've cut back a little more, I don't know if they'd still be AAA these days. Um, yeah. And maybe Kickstarter seemed like a viable route for Double Fine, but I mean, I don't have any confirmed rumors on this, but I have heard rumblings that Double Fine is not doing that well, and that oh. they really needed more money than they got, and I mean, they only released half of the game they said they'd release, it took more money than they thought it would. Those are the kinds of things that if you go through a traditional publishing method, you can talk to your investors and be like, hey, the scope of our game is different than we thought it was, but you can't really talk to 50,000 nerds on the internet and explain that to them and have them not be mad at you, right? I mean, that's right. that's going to be a problem. So, I, I mean, I agree that Kickstarter is really risky, and it's risky for different reasons. I mean, how much money are you you really saving by doing this? You're, you're creating a headache in a different way if anything goes wrong. Yeah. I just, I'm remembering when Harmonix was, you know, really started. And I don't know if you guys remember this, but they, they bought themselves for a dollar in taking on the, you know, the debt of having all these boxes and stores and warehouses, mm-hmm. you know, like all of that left over. And I I think I can, it's fair to say that it's been reported in the press that, you know, they had investors come in um, and work with the people behind that. So it kind of makes me wonder where we are today with that. Yeah, I don't know, sadly. Yeah. yeah. Nobody I know who works at Harmonix would even tell me anyway, so. <laughs> right, right. Hopefully this will be something that at least helps them right the ship and maybe they get a couple games maybe. out and they'll get back I mean, on their feet. I still really like to play Amplitude, but I yeah. don't really want to back it. <laughs> and and they have announced that they're going to be doing some sort of a rock band thing for for PlayStation 4 and Xbox One, so... Oh, cool. I don't I know... I didn't hear that. Yeah, yeah. I just, they just announced that. I think that might have been at PAX East that they announced that. Hmm. Oh, that's good. So, hopefully... But it, it also kind of feels like they're a small team, and they have their... They're doing a lot of stuff all at the same time. 
Well, I think Chromex is being outsourced to a different house. So uh, that's as I understand that. I could be mistaken about that. Yeah, but you, um, but you have Chromex, you have Fantasia, you have the iOS games, you have Rock Band. Now you have Amplitude. And, I mean, Rock Band right. and Amplitude by themselves are going to be two, you would think, are going to be two fairly... I mean, I guess they're working on the same engine, they're saying. They're going to be using the Rock Band beat matching mm-hmm. engine for Amplitude. But that still seems like it's a little bit more than just like a reskin. I don't know. I, I look at that and I can't help but think that most of that money is going to be lawyers and, you know, for music rights. Yeah, and because licensing the interface like itself That's doesn't look very yeah. costly mm-hmm. to make. Yeah. I guess we can wrap up by just going around and talking really quickly about what we're playing and what games uh, other people should check out. If Maddie, you want to start? Sure. I My answer is so boring. I've been just <laughs> oh. going through this really intense review visiting of Final Fantasy X because they re-released it and it has just been delightful and uh, I've just been playing it for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours and hours it really (laughs) holds up I've been amazed with it yeah it really does Um, I I love it and if if you haven't played it the first time (sighs) around this is a really great time to just play it because it looks so good now (laughs) Um, and the music has all been redone and sounds amazing. And I have been teaching myself how to play the songs on the piano, like a little, little baby Maddie (laughs) traveling back in time to do that. Um, and it's just, I don't know. I have nothing but good things to say about it. I have you played Blitzball without breaking anything in your house. You know, it's, (laughs) it's, I don't like Blitzball. (laughs) I I don't want to talk about Blitzball, but everything else in the game is, we don't good. talk about Blitzball. We do not. That's I the first rule of Blitzball. It's entirely right. possible that I would not get Wacka's Celestial Weapon in my game because I really oh. don't like Blitzball. But everybody else is fine. <laughs> Blitzball's still really hard. It just It's just hard. Is anybody here good at Blitzball? Does anybody want to give me like a Blitzball montage? Because I tell you, you come over to my house, I'll teach you how to play Blitzball. Are you good I at will, it? For I will real? do that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I did nothing. I had no life in this game. <laughs> out, so. That's fair. I, I, it's just like, it's whatever. I'm, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Blitzball because if I do, I'm just going to feel bad about myself. Somebody else talk. <laughs> I, I think that game really shows that a good game design holds up through the ages. Because I was I was terrified when I got that, that I was going to go back and play ten and even ten two, and it wasn't going to hold up. And I was I was really amazed that the narrative structure of the game does not hold up because we're kind of used to these, you know, Western RPGs are very much out there now. And these kind of rough edges of a Japanese story are kind of not acceptable at this point. So you mean like Kingdom I was Hearts? really amazed. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I was, I was really amazed that it was the gameplay systems and the combat that really held up and the story a little less so. I was very, I was amazed by that. I mean, I have a soft spot for the story, I guess. So I have completely mm-hmm. forgiven it for being <laughs> strange. But um, <laughs> the combat is definitely what needs to carry a game like this. You can't, I mean, you have to be able to play a JRPG for hundreds of hours in order to complete it. And it has to be compelling for all 150 hours. Mm-hmm. And this game, the combat is still really fun. And oh. the... 
order of attacks matter. It's turn-based, which ordinarily I don't like turn-based games anymore. As a modern gamer, I've completely outgrown them, and I'm like, turn-based? That's for babies. I don't want a game where I can get up and go take a piss in the middle of a fight. Whatever. But um, And you can do that in this game. But um, I, I think that the tactical elements of the game have just really shine through still and that the order of attacks matter casting Hastega at the t- right time really matters casting spells versus using Yuna at different points I mean all of that stuff still really impacts whether or not you can win a fight in a cool way and I don't know that that's necessarily true of other RPGs that I've played recently I'm not going to name any <laughs> <coughs> Final Fantasy <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, Georgia, you want to go next? Sure. I, though I have, like, Dance Dance and, like, The Last of Us, I haven't had a lot of pl- time to play a lot of games. So, you know, on my OS, it's, like, Plants vs. Zombies and Candy Crush. Hey, those are real I'm games. I'm sorry. Don't hate me. Don't hate games. me for Nothing the Candy Crush. Nothing but respect. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what I'm really enjoying playing is uh, Bomberman 2. So I can play oh. it with... I, I love respect. I love Bomberman. <laughs> so where are you playing? What, what platform are you playing it on right now? Um, I'm I I have I have everything. I have I have my Super Nintendo. Oh. I have my name. I have everything. And uh, so so yeah, we I play it on the big screen or, or we play it upstairs, and it's just a lot of fun. We get it all set up, get our controllers set up, and I can play it with my little ones. So it's fun, simple, and I have to say, I still enjoy it. Just like I did when I first oh. played it. I, I respect if you're teaching your kids to throw bombs at each other and <laughs> blow them up and gloat. Yeah. You're, you're doing God's work as a gamer parent. And Thank I really you, respect that. Thank you, Bree. So, uh, I haven't even thought about Bomberman in the longest time. And that would, I, I think my daughter would actually really love that. I got to see if that's on the virtual console because I, I think she would dig that. I played through Mega Man 2 with her the, a couple weeks ago and she Ooh. loved that. And uh, you know what? That's one of my favorite games of all time. And I bet she would. I bet she would get a kick out of Bomberman, especially. Ooh, that's what I want to know after for the next episode. I want to know what everyone's favorite game is oh. of all time. Oh. How can you pick that? I know. I, I, well, brain, there's there's a to- yeah. there's a topic for you. So you have a week to think about it, Bree. Oh. A week to think oh. about it. Everyone out there listening can think about theirs. All right, Superman sixty four. Oh. <laughs> e. T. Hey, no, I sorry. play. I played like. 20 or 30 hours of E.T. back in the day. I, I'm, I'm well really? versed Oh, yeah. You're the one person. I'm the one person because that's the one game that my parents bought me when they got me my Atari 2600. <laughs> Free. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Bree. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry, what? Bree, what do you mean? I, I don't play games. I developed it. No, um, uh, Titanfall. You know, playing a ton of Titanfall, uh, Zelda. Um, I'm doing the the new Zelda on 3DS. Oh, do you and like playing it? Through that. It took me a long yeah. time to get into it, Same. and now I'm in that Zelda constant, you know, defeat a dungeon. Like I've, I've played this game 800 times. I don't think it's very innovative. It's not. Um, but it's a Zelda <laughs> it's game. A Zelda game. It's, yeah. I've, I've done this. I you know. Scratches that itch too. It's like it. It's like that that two D Zelda itch that you just has been around for so long. And like I right. just found myself completely just keep playing and keep playing and losing track of time with it when I had it. I I, I don't know. I can't help but play that game. And it's it's a good game, but it's hitting the same beats. And I can't help but think Zelda is a 
a franchise that really needs some innovation. You know, I was talking on Twitter how um, you know, I thought what would be really innovative for Zelda is to put out a Zelda title where Zelda was the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Or Sheik, and how if that they really would... want an action game, do a Sheik yeah, game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you know, that got a ton of responses. I, I think they need something to shake the formula up. Yeah, I've been doing that, and uh, yeah, Titanfall is so unbelievably good. It is truly worth going and getting an Xbox One for. Um, it is I don't even like Maddie. The first time I met you, I was judging you. I'm like, she plays Call of Duty. She's like, <laughs> you she's a different kind. <laughs> I was totally judging you. Now, I'm there. everyone, I own and have played every single Call of Duty that's ever been made, and that doesn't like go with the rest of my personality. No one ever expects that of me, but it's completely true. <laughs> no, I know you. Oh, I see, I'm a Halo does. fan. So, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I played all the Halos go. and I played all the Gears of War. Oh, okay, cool. I like totally oh, cool. Totally cool. All of them. Okay, great, great. And I've read all the Gears of War comics, which really. I <laughs> you have you have just earned geek cred, wow. but yeah. not the right that's, kind. That's hard. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, those, don't those comics go into like how women in the oh, future yeah. are like turned into breeding they farms or something like that? Like that's they can't fight because they have to have the babies. Novels, which I ha- I yeah. admit I haven't completed reading, but yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know that. And I was called out for the panda comment. I'm just saying. I know, I know. I, I know. Judge me. I, I am a fan of one of the most sexist series of all time, which is Gears of War. And I spend a lot of time apologizing for it. So today I learned that there is a Gears of War expanding universe because I had is. no idea. There is. And it's really weird. <laughs> Anyway. I just can't imagine caring enough about like Marcus as a character to go. I really want to know more. I have about such a soft spot for him. Right. It's weird. I can't <laughs> explain it. Um, so Bree, Titan, it's t- Titanfall is excellent. You're, you're taking it's a page awesome. out of my book with this. I have seen your tweets about this. You are getting very competitive. You are pulling a Maddie Myers with this game. I am. I am. I'm proud I of would, you. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's embarrassing. Like, do you? I mean. Have you had that moment where you're so amped up for multiplayer that, like, uh-huh. you know, for me, it's my husband, and they come into the room and you're like, don't talk to me. Like, yeah. I just lost a match. Don't talk oh to me. Oh, my right God, now. yes. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, the guy I'm seeing can't even play first person shooters without getting dizzy. So, yeah. Oh, no. To have him, have him. Have him eat a piece of of ginger before he plays, and he won't he won't get the vertigo huh. from playing. Okay, fresh ginger root. You slice it up. It's I was just so potent. hopeful that we would get to play Borderlands co op. Oh, uh, like you, like you maybe might be able to. Minutes. You might be maybe able to. Yeah, we got he should be able to play for about twenty minutes <laughs> at a time if he does. I'm not kidding. It actually All works right. better than any other. That'll be just enough time for you to get frustrated and turn it off. So that, that I know. That's I'm like right, you're, right. you're saying twenty minutes, and I'm like forget it. I need three yeah. hours. <laughs> Do you have an herbal remedy you can suggest that can like help them figure out the second joystick? Like that would be great. Um, I mean, in, in, in my boyfriend's defense, he's he's very good at two D puzzle platformers. He's much better at them than I am. There we go. That's All cool. Right, there we go. So, he Steve, what Nintendo game are you playing? Yeah. This week? <laughs> I'm actually well. I'm a, probably and the stuff I'm playing with my daughter is different, but I've actually what I've been playing the most of lately is Wayward Souls on iOS, which is and, and I've not really Wayward been Souls. loving a lot of stuff on iOS lately, but this has been like sucking up so much of my time because I'm a really? sucker for roguelikes and I'm a sucker for like the retro 16-bit look, and this game is like it it's basically like a roguelike Secret of Banna. Ooh, I love oh, Secret of Mana. Right. I, 
My family's playing Secret of Mana right now. I, ooh, I'm gonna so get. Yeah, so it's it's like they even like swiped the Final Fantasy lo- uh, font for their it does for their have, title screen. Yeah. Oh, it's fantastic. So is it, it fantastic? Oh, it's really ooh. good. So it's it you basically it's it's a lot like Rogue Legacy where they kind of throw you into a dungeon and you kind of have to find your way. It's not quite like Rogue Legacy because in Rogue Legacy you can get yourself into trouble by going down one of the paths and all of a sudden you're in like the level that's designed for level 60 and you're getting killed in in 30 <laughs> seconds. It's more linear than that, but it just kind of drops you in a dungeon and you get one of three you starts out with three character types and there are three more that unlock as you move through. And the, I'm downloading it now. Yeah, the, the wait, control. wait, before you download it, yeah. I have to tell yes. you Steve, I tried this game. Yeah. I hate this game. Really? I hate this game. Ooh. I think it's so bad. Really? Tell me, why is it so bad? Because they amped the difficulty up for it so It is very difficult. High. It is it very is difficult. Oh, is this, don't tell me this is an, an you know, in-game purchase. No, 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 no. Actually, no, 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 it's actually it's the exact opposite it's, of that. Because yeah. what uh-huh. they do is that it's $5, no in-app purchases whatsoever. And the way that what they're planning on doing is they're not dropping the price. And every time that they add on like downloadable content anyone who's bought it will get it for free and they're going to raise the price by a dollar so there's they're plan they're promising never any iep this these are the scene this is rocket cat who was behind punch quest which was one of the the early iep experiments that that basically blew up in their face because they refused to take advantage of their of their players but they've they've had other games like mage gauntlet and hook champ and they, they've done a lot of the 16-bit stuff but they they are it is a really, really difficult game, and it does take. It took me about a week of grinding just to be able to pass the first area. But and and it's Whoa. a little bit. It the difficulty is a little bit different depending on which character you play. The warrior is a little bit easier than the mage, and which kind of disappointed me because I always end up playing as the mage no matter what game that I play, and then I ended up having to go yeah, to the warrior to uh, to to clear to pass it. The levels, but yeah. it's you know it's it's fun. You know the levels last fifteen minutes and before you die, and then you go back, you get a bunch <laughs> of gold, you upgrade your characters, and then you you try again or you don't. And so it's not a really big time investment, which is is kind of the kind of game that I need to be playing during the day. You know when there's a lot of distractions going on. So I'm, I like it a lot, I, but it's it's definitely for a certain type of player. I mean, I like roguelikes a lot. So this kind of appeals to me because the difficulty is so high, and that's kind of what I expect from a roguelike. But it, yeah, it may not be for everybody, but it's it's definitely worth trying. I think it's fantastic. I, I guess as someone that designs games, and like with Rev60, we worked so hard and went through so many iterations that when a person picks it up for the first time, they are welcomed into the game and are having fun and are learning things at the right rate and are doing battles that are beatable. Like this doesn't happen serendipitously. We worked our butts off at this and we went through tons of beta testing. So when someone says screw it and just lets me die for the first hour, I'm playing the game over and over and over and makes me like watch the character saying the same things over and over again. It it offends me. It offends me. And it seems I'm reading the reviews right now uh, for the game and that seems to be exactly what's happening there's people that 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 love it that say you know this is this is really fun and challenging and then there's a whole bunch that say exactly what you said Bree, yeah. is that it's so frustrating and so difficult that they've lost the fun level and you know i wonder if they couldn't have you know i i think that i love what you said is that you know when you've been working on your game you made sure to um, you know, in Revolution 60 to, to welcome people so that they feel comfortable. And then as the game goes on and you become more skilled, yeah, it can be more difficult. Because I do hate having to go through things over and over again. And I don't have time 
to yeah, waste yeah, anymore. Yeah. I don't want to spend. See, yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm an right. adult. And, yeah. <laughs> yes. and, that, and that's why I don't like Dark Souls no, so much. But I feel like this is like such a small time investment every time that I'm playing it. Like it's just like 15 minutes and I'm in and I'm out. And if I want to keep playing it, I play it. If I don't, then I don't. How many times did you have to? to did you die before you passed the first level? Probably somewhere between 30 and 50. Okay, that's it. That's it. That's it. You're done, or that's it. You're, you're okay with it. Yeah, um, if I have to go through the same listening to people talk and go up to this person and deal with that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Thirty times, I might be. I'm very sorry, Rocket Cat, for <laughs> making you lose a customer. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure they'll be okay. But anyway, they're okay. I don't review. I don't review games, so they're probably going to be right, just fine yeah. with me not caring. <laughs> if I reviewed games, it might have been a totally different story, and then I would review it just so that I could. Like, post on it like, right. like hate play yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like to review things that are either really amazing or really horrifically bad like a case that I reviewed and I needed to use pliers in order this case was like glued onto my phone I had to use I'm not I'm serious ply, I actually thought I might not get this off my phone I just used pliers totally uh, destroyed it um, you know or all, all you know the taser that I tased myself with I you tased you know, yourself I, I did. I did. I tried the new uh, just, yellow like, jacket. Over that. <laughs> the yellow, that. Yeah. The yellow. The yellow jacket makes a iPhone case that's also a taser. Oh my god. Um, it's not a taser. Sorry, a stun gun. And so I'm like, okay, let's see. Let's see how this goes. And so I. Um, it might have been right after I re- interviewed Rampage Jackson. So I was already revved up. He's the UFC fighter. And so I'm like, let's let's see how this really works. And they're like, we can't we can't do it. We can't tase you. We're going to get sued. I'm like, can I tase myself? And they said, we don't care about you. Go for it. And so in front of about, I don't know, I started to get a crowd of people wanting, you know, like the people that want to see a train wreck. Oh my God. And uh, probably 40, 40 to 50 people were watching me in hopes that I die. And um, which I... I felt no one stopped me, which was the the best part of all of this. And uh, yeah, I, I stunned myself not in the neck because that would have been extra that crazy. Been crazy, yeah. That would have been crazy. Um, so I, I didn't do that, but I did do it in my arm, and it was uh, quite quite the experience. Well, <laughs> I was sweating. And then you could go into the police cabinet after that. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Which right. you was it? I mean, did it hurt? <laughs> it did hurt. <laughs> I love how carefully Brie you asked that question. No, it didn't hurt yes, at it, all. It was weird. It, it really awesome. It really did hurt. The, okay. I think that it, it hurt. It left a burn mark on my arm um, as well, which was interesting because I was like, uh, now I might scar. Um, and it's scary because it makes a really loud buzzing noise. So I think that that's the best part is that it's it's great as a preventative measure and uh, yeah it it did hurt it I thought it kind that of it sounds gonna... like the wayward souls of iPhone cases oh no come on now <laughs> <laughs> like... <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> awesome right <laughs> we'll, we'll just make this let's judge what crappy game Steve is playing every week and that'll be our segment. For Uh, I I can't wait. See, Steve, I tried it because like I trust you. Like I, you know, and, like, and not anymore. You know, so that's great. Right. Yeah. And now and now she does. I love though that right. when I was going to download it, he's like, wait, 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 Georgia, wait, wait, save yourself five dollars. Listen to this first. 
<laughs> yeah, Steve, come to think of it, you told me not to buy the Wii U. Like, you're like, I don't <gasps> think the money is, I don't huh. think the value is there yet. And I'm like, screw it. I'm going to go buy this yeah. anyway. Well, I love it. <laughs> and, and you love the right? Wii U, yeah. you see? Yeah. So, Talk to me so that's what the podcast right. can be. Yeah. Do whatever Steve, Steve does. Exactly. Right. <laughs> All right, on that note. <laughs> All right, I think we'll uh, we'll we'll end it here. So, if you want to send us some feedback, or you know, tell me that I'm that my my taste in games isn't completely horrible, uh, you, can, you can email the show at isometricshow at gmail dot com. You can also follow us on Twitter at i at isometricshow, and uh, you can also follow me. I'm at wicked good on Twitter. And Bree, where can where can people find you? Well, at the hashtag panda quality or. <laughs> I was going to say that. Panda love. Panda love. Uh, or Space Cat Gal with a K. So. And Maddie, where, can, where should people go to find out more about what you're doing? Um, Twitter is where I live most of the day. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, Samus Clone is my Twitter handle. Oh, cute. And uh, Georgia, where can go, people go to find you? You can find me on imore.com, uh, Zen and Tech podcast, or on Twitter, it's Georgia underscore Dow, D O W. All right. Underscore, very important. Yes. <laughs> yes, there's another Georgia Dow, if not. And you can follow her too. She seems very, very sweet, but, yeah. you know, she's squatting on my Twitter account. So what can I do? <laughs> the first time I, I followed Georgia, I'm like, I'm doing a podcast with a, a, an adult woman that's listened to Justin Bieber. I don't <laughs> You thought I was what? a Bieber fan. It was she the was best a writer for Imore. I don't. I don't get it. That would be amazing. That would be an amazing right. confluence of fandoms right. for you to be part of. I'm kind of disappointed that you're not a believer. I mean, we all are. <laughs> you see, that's it. I, I don't live in Boston, and I'm not a believer. Yeah. Well, everybody has their faults. <laughs> you're here to add Please. balance to the show. Uh, Please accept me, anyways. <laughs> All right, so thanks very much for listening, and uh, we will catch you next time. Have a good one. Bye.